Uh, thank you guys so much. Man, I love, love our worship team, man. Thank you guys very much. I love to be led in worship and in music, amen? Amen. Dig that, dig that. Guys, good to see everybody. I know there are a couple of new faces in here. It's great to see uh, folks that haven't uh, met before until today. So, man, praise God that if I didn't get a chance to meet you or talk to you or if we've not gotten a chance to talk about who is this guy talking again. And uh, my name is Casey, uh, one of the folks uh, serving as pastor, serving alongside you. Uh, we've got uh, got a really cool day uh, today planned. And Pete, thank you so much, man. I just love your heart, bro. And just, uh, man, I just, uh, golly. Love, uh, love, love, love what God is doing in our church, amen? Very, very cool stuff. Um, you know, we've been uh, talking a little bit about right now, uh, and I want to address a couple of quick things before we get really into the message. You know, we're in a, uh, what it means to uh, have a, a, a relationship with our spouse primarily is kind of a, the focus of our, of our uh, sermon series called What Happy Couples Know. And uh, it really does apply to every relationship that we have. So single, widowed, doesn't really matter. We're learning what it means to love, love God's way. Uh, we have had this week, and I just want to address it because there's uh, the first couple of services that we had today, you know, they were pretty full, both of them. And this is actually other than a couple of spots here, a few spots here and that kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, we've got a, got a good, uh, good group of folks, lots of folks downstairs helping too. So I sure appreciate Everybody that's helping setting up the uh, the meal for what we've got um, uh, after this service, but uh, man, I've I've been bombarded this week with some questions and some concerns and some different things that are going on. You know, we had um, a, a couple of uh, high school students for Gardner Edgerton High School lost their lives this week, and uh, we had a, just a just a lot of folks asking, man, what the heck's going on? How does God, where's God in all this? You know, I hear. The questions are, and at least at the very, you know, some of the questions I, I'm anticipating as they come. And I want to kind of help us to go through some of those things today and address that, that kind of thing. Because we don't, like, I, if you're, by the way, if this is your first time, I do want you to know when we, this is a time for us to celebrate. And we will celebrate today, amen. But this is also a time where we've got to address grief and we've got to address, you know, when folks are, 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 are struggling with some different things, answers from God. Um, you know, I had a buddy of mine just this morning got 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 truly attacked uh, in a in a in a terrible way by who I I say is is uh, is our enemy, and of course the word says is our enemy, the devil. And uh, man, I just want us to be aware of those things that we are when we are here to battle and win a fight uh, against those kinds of things. And it's like ultimately the battle's already won, and so we need to be kind of approaching uh, the battle and the war that we are in. By the way, are we in a spiritual war? Yeah, man, absolutely, aren't we? And so we've got to be thinking, yeah, we are. And so some of us are struggling in that battle, and, and we're weary and we're tired. Um, you know, I had a lot of questions this week about the Parkland, Florida shooting and stuff. And you think, man, alive, like, where's God and all that and, and, and all those kinds of things. And we could give, uh, you know, the, the Jesus answers. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Because Jesus is the answer to everything. Two plus two equals Jesus, right? Like it's, like it's, like he is absolutely the answer to everything, no doubt about it. Now, but one of the things we have got to avoid because we're going to have local people uh, that that are grieving. We're going to have people grieving over some national stuff that's going on, uh, whether it's you know crime or anything like that. We've got to be able to learn to walk with people and walk with people in the way that God has 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 said in his word to walk with people with a genuine freedom and a genuine freedom to unload 
things that are stressing us out and things that are grieving us and things that are, are not really where we think thought they would ever be. And we got to be able to cast those things onto God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that kind of thing today, you know. And, and on top of that, Billy Graham passes away, you know. And I don't know if he, how many people ever heard Billy Graham speak? Man, per, like I, I, I went out, had the privilege of hearing him speak, you know, when he was at uh, uh, the Arrowhead, at Arrowhead Stadium. And I had a buddy of mine that I had just talked to about the Lord that had given his life to Jesus like three days prior to. And I said, dude, Billy Graham's in town. And so he was going to go. He wasn't able to go for whatever reason. I was able to go. And, and what, what was crazy to me, and here's the thing, like, like if you have ever heard Billy Graham speak, he's not all that great of a speaker. Like he's not like, like a crazy, dynamic, wow, that guy really wowed me with his message and that kind of He was good, don't get me wrong, but there was, when I saw him, he, was, he, he could hardly speak. He had to sit down. He was very monotone, that kind of thing. And he said, hey, if you know Jesus, come forward. And hundreds of people did. I'm like, wow, that's incredible, right? If you've never experienced that, and we, you know, we'll never be able to do that again. But, but that was incredible to me. And so my buddy Jimmy that had just given his life to Jesus a little while, uh, you know, 72 hours prior to, we were, uh, actually he and I worked together and we were remodeling some apartment buildings that we owned and managed and remodeled a house and we were heading out to Lee Summit and, and we had to take a right onto, uh, right in front of, uh, we had to, I think we had to get gas or something like that, right onto uh, in front of Arrowhead Stadium. And I noticed out there, and Jimmy's brand new to the faith, right? And I noticed out there there were Westboro Baptist people out there protesting Billy Graham. And there was just some terrible stuff that were being said about him and, and that kind of thing. And I said, Jimmy, I think, man, I, I, I think we need to go talk to these guys. Now, I wasn't like, man, we're going to go talk to these guys, right? And I said, not like that. But I said, you know, we, we're going to go talk to these guys. And, man, it just really, man, we need to show them something, man, that they, they may never see. I don't know. And so we went there, right? And we stopped, we parked, we walked in the middle of the protesters. And I'm thinking, I'm about to get shot here because they think we're part of the protesting guys. And Jimmy's like wide-eyed, like, dude, what have you got me into, man? I'm a Christian three days and you got me in the middle of this mess. I'm like, this was not in the brochure. And so so we started talking to him. And I said, guys, are y'all Christians? And they're just protesting. They, and then what, there was a kind of a ringleader there. And he said, no, we're Muslims and all this kind of like He was just really spouting off nothing but, but real hate for, for, for me and my, my buddy, Jimmy. We're both followers of Jesus, and they claim to be as well. And I asked him, I said, do you guys believe in the, in the Holy Spirit? Well, of course we do, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so I said, but, but guys, here's the deal. I mean, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and self-control, and on, like, like I probably missed a few, and I probably missed a, a few just now, right, but here's the deal, they didn't experience any of that thing, and they were spouting anger, and frustration, and impatience, and all the things that were not the fruit of the Spirit, and I said, guys, I don't know, what to, I turned to my buddy Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I know you're just brand new to the faith, bro, uh, welcome to the war, right, and so here we go. I said, only thing I can do, man, only thing we know to do, there's no magic bullet. We started praying for these guys. And we prayed for these guys in a way. And they started, they even, when we started, we don't want your prayers. Your prayers are of the devil, all this kind of stuff, right? And so I just put my arm on Jimmy and I just said, Lord, be with these guys. Show them who you are, all those kinds of things. And I don't know, it could have been 30 seconds or 30 minutes later. You ever get in one of those time warps where you don't know how long it's actually been? 
Only thing I know is when we said amen, we looked up and them guys were gone. You know? Like they were walking away. And I don't know if they were like, hey, it's time for our next protest. I have no idea. Right? I, I don't, I'm not trying to say, hey, my prayers got rid of them guys. Nothing like that. It had nothing to do. The only thing I know is that prayer, submission to God, his power can take care of everything that we never could in our own strength. Man, and it was a crazy lesson for Jimmy, too. He's like, wow, this God is legit, man. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was, it was wild stuff. And so that fruit of the Spirit, man, like that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. I'm, missing, I'm probably missing one, right? But, but what's that? Goodness, thank you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Just like all of that can be in our relationships, can be in our, our marriage if we do things God's way, if we invite His Holy Spirit and we truly do see things God's way. What we tend to do, though, in our relationships is we'll take our hopes and dreams and desires and we'll say hey baby these are yours now you need to make these things come true in my life and if i'm going to be honest with you we also tend to do that with god say god here are my hopes and my dreams and my desires now you need to go make them come true otherwise i'm going to be all mad and stuff right that's 10 tends to be what happens see what happens when we do that with our spouses and we do that with god these don't become hopes and dreams and desires, these become expectations to people. That, hey, if you don't fulfill these hopes and dreams and desires, these are my expectations, and if you don't, I'm going to find somebody that does. Or I'm going to make sure you know that you need to make sure that these things need to happen in our relationship. I'm going to try to coerce you or convict you or whatever to make these things happen. That's totally unfair to the other person, isn't it? Completely unfair to your spouse. Completely unfair to your children. Completely unfair to those that you love, your co-workers, your neighbors, those kinds of things. When we say, here's what I expect from you. And what we can do a lot of times is we can take those, and when we don't have those things uh, taken care of that we've talked about in the last couple of services, we, like, we'll tend to get all mad and there will be no, well, no working of the Holy Spirit, no fruit of the Spirit, no, no patience, no love, no no peace, no goodness, right? In that relationship, there's just this toxic environment because I'm unsatisfied. Man, and it's so different than what the scriptures say about how we're supposed to love. See, what was meant to be enjoyable, our hopes and dreams and, and, and desires, what was meant to be enjoyable, it, has becomes, it becomes transactional. Like we'll say, if you do this for me, then I'll do some stuff for you. But if you don't, then I ain't, right? And it becomes a win and loss type of thing but here's the deal in a relationship when someone wins we loses because someone is always losing in that transaction aren't they okay i'll give in this time okay well you know we're going to do this next time okay you're going to win this time and it's never about that when it comes to to actual love we want to be respected. We want to be desired. We want to be admired and protected and all those kinds of, like, like wanted, all those kinds of things. That's not a bad thing. They're just ongoing as we live our lives. But here's the deal. Happy couples, and I would say happy people that are in any kind of relationship, know that the other person in the relationship doesn't owe them anything. Well, Judy doesn't owe me squat, right? I don't owe Judy anything. But here's the thing. I want to see her hopes her dreams and desires fulfilled. And she wants to have her, my hopes and my dreams and my desires fulfilled. If we're doing that, 
Guess who's invited into the relationship? God. Because it's done his way. And I'll explain that in just a second. Happy couples have what we call a submission competition. When Jesus says in his word and written through uh, Paul that we are to submit to one one another in love. If we do that in our spousal relationships, if we do that in our relationships in general, I'm going to submit to you. You're going to submit to me. I'm going to try to get your hopes, your dreams, your desires taken care of before my own. All of a sudden, we've got harmony and peace and love and joy wow you're looking out for me i want to look out for you and man we're going to try to outdo each other i'm going to satisfy you you're going to satisfy me it's going to be fantastic see from college all the way down through kindergarten when we start our schooling and our lives of education and that kind of thing we will spend dozens of years sometimes i mean like like 16 18 20 whatever it is depending on how long you go through your career as a, as a student or education, we will spend almost all that time learning what it means to be a productive member of society, learning what it means to, to have a, a work, like learning what it means to be an engineer or an electrician or a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or whatever that is. We'll go through trade school. We'll spend all kinds of money and effort and time and, and years and years and years learning what it means to work and be productive. As a result, our unemployment rate, which is hallelujah, I love this, is 4.1%. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. But our divorce rate is 50% because we spend zero time from kindergarten to college working on what it means to be a spouse, working on what it means to be a husband or a wife or what it means to be married in God's eyes. And here's the challenge to, to us my brothers and sisters, if this doesn't happen in the church, it will not happen. If it doesn't happen here, it never will. And so that's our heart, and that's our, that's our mindset. And so all the grieving folks in our society, in our, in our town, in our community right now, all those folks that are hurting right now, we can actually help them and show them the love of God the way he intended us to do. But here's what we've got to stop doing. First and foremost, we've got to stop lying to God. And tell him everything's all right when it's not. We got to be start being real with God in a lot of ways. And some of you, this may come as a shock to you, but it, 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 like it, like what I'm going to tell you here in a second is going to like come as a total shock. Like going to be like some people like preacher man, you're crazy. I could never do that with God. That's not the kind of God that I remember. That's not the God that I was taught growing up. But I'm going to tell you, this is the God of the Bible that you can be real with. A couple of weeks ago, I asked people to read Matthew 22, starting in 34 through 40. I pray that you've done that because that outlines the kind of love that we're supposed to have for God ultimately and everything we have as, and, and loving our neighbor as ourself. And I even challenge this. There's no one more neighborly than the spouse that's laying beside you in the bed. Other thing I wanted you guys to do is take your boxes. And if you don't have any boxes, you can pick some up on the way out. But actually take your boxes and write down your hopes and your dreams and desires. And, and, and ask yourself if you've given those to somebody else to be as an expectation and ultimately as a burden. Last week I asked you guys to do something crazy. Because what that scripture right there, talked to, like, like it took about 35 seconds. I asked you to read almost over a minute worth of scriptures last week. And I pray you've done that and read Ephesians 5. And, and really put yourself in that position. Like how does this happen in my, in my life? To ask to also say, have I handed 
this box to somebody. And then what I wanted you to do last week is go to that person and say, have I handed my hopes and dreams and desires, my expectations, have I handed this to you? And if you're honest and real with even a neighbor or a child and your spouse, that could be a potentially difficult conversation. But we're not interested in doing things that are comfortable. We're interested here in doing things that are right in the eyes of God. So here's the deal. These hopes, dreams, and desires, if you suppress them, if you say, oh, it doesn't matter, or, oh, then, and you, you deny how God made you, guys, it's going to be a jacked up, messed up mess if we're not careful. I want to talk to you guys about a guy in Scripture that, that had all these things named Peter. And Peter is a disciple of Jesus, one of Jesus' closest inner circle, if you will, one of the apostles. And he came, uh, you know, if you recall a few weeks ago, we talked about how, G- how Peter denied Jesus three times and Jesus restored him. And Peter actually went on historically to start a whole bunch of churches and to really be a powerful force for the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago. And he was married, actually, and he had uh, a wife, and uh, actually Jesus uh, healed his mother-in-law. History uh, says that uh, Peter actually watched his wife be crucified for, his, for the faith that they had in Jesus. And uh, at his own request, said, I can't be even, I'm not worthy to be even die like Jesus. And at his own request, was crucified upside down. Upside down. And so something happened 2,000 years ago to make these folks do this. It's a powerful testimony to the resurrection and the Holy Spirit of Jesus, right? And so I love those kinds of things. But here's what Peter, in that power and, 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 and in, in that Holy Spirit, giving him the words to, to write, said this in 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you. Guys, this is a command, right? We are to be shepherding the flock. Not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an un- the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you younger men be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility, right? Toward one another, because God resists the proud, but, if I say but, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, here's the thing about humility this is key. For us to be able to learn to, to love the way God has said for us to be able to love. The one thing about humility is you never know if you got it. You ever thought about that? I'm one of the most humble people I know. It's crazy, man. No, you never know if you've got it. But if you're relentlessly pursuing this all the time, you're essentially humble. Knowing that you're really not humble because you know your heart, you know your mind, that kind of thing. But here's what humble people do james says that don't be just hearers of the word but doers if you start doing what a humble person does you are humble not crazy one heart like this our heart is always in there yeah absolutely we're always trying to pursue humility but one thing we can ask ourselves whenever we're trying to be faced with a, a, a certain thing is that what would a humble person do 
Not how would a humble person feel or how would a humble person think, but actually what would a humble person do? Because like loving people ahead of ourselves, loving our neighbor as ourselves, considering others as better than ourselves is not natural. It makes no sense to us personally and naturally, but it makes sense to God. And when we do that and we actually act on that and do the humble thing that a humble person does, man, God's Holy Spirit can start to work in every relationship that we have, including our marriages. Here's what Peter said, though, that probably a lot of people don't understand, and it rocks our world when we realize it. Like, you, like sometimes we go, and we, especially those that have grown up in the church, man, we have this, this sense that we can't come to God in honesty. Like, I could never say that to God, or I could never express my anger or my frustration with God. But here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, starting at 7. He says, casting all your care on him. How much of you care? I'm going to give you some craziness here. Like, this is, you're going to think I'm nuts, but here's the deal. I want you to learn to unload on God. I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm not saying approach the throne as if he can't squash us like a bug, because we know he can, right? No doubt. But unload and learn to unload in a godly way, a a, a non-sinful way on God, casting all of our cares. This casting means we throw it. It's not a matter of, God, I'm so frustrated. Here's the stuff. You know, no, we throw it like it's fresh. Like God, I'm angry. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm. What's going on with my finances? Why are there people dying? What's going on in Parkland? God, why? Why can't we do that? This is a struggle for a lot of people because they've grown up in a polite way of praying. I'm not saying you can't pray, pray quietly or silently, but I want us to say from this point on. We do not have to pray polite prayers anymore. Amen? God's free. And it is for freedom that Christ set us free. And we have got to stop lying to God. We've got to. We've got to quit going to God as if he doesn't know already. We've got to quit going to God as if he's like, well, yeah, I know I'm frustrated, and yeah, I'm angry, and yeah, I'm grieving, and yeah, I'm hurt, but everything's fine, God. He's like, man, stop lying. I mean, he's ain't going to be surprised at us if we go, God, I'm mad. God, I'm angry. What's going on? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I depressed? Why am I struggling? Why am I grieving? Why am I sick? Why are my finances the way they are? God, what is going on? I'm mad. He's not going to be like, whoa, where'd that come from, Casey? That's a surprise. He knows already we've got to stop lying. Amen? How freeing is it when we understand that our Heavenly Father wants us to cast all of our cares on him. Why are my relationships the way they are, God? Because this isn't just made up by Peter. It wasn't just like, wow, that's a kind of a cool thing to say. This actually had been around in the Old Testament with King David in Psalm 55. I want us to be learning not to just stop, like, like not to have any polite prayers and, and that kind of thing, but I want us to learn to pray out loud. Psalm 55, we'll go through the whole psalm. It says, God, listen to my prayer and do not ignore my plea for help. How dare he come to God like that? And why are we so afraid to do that? King David did. 
Pay attention to me and answer me. I am restless in turmoil and with my complaint. Because of the enemy's voice, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down disaster on me and harass me in anger. My heart shudders within me. Terrors of death sweep over me. Anybody ever felt that? Come on, man. This is real stuff here. This is why the answers are in Scripture. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, if I only only had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far away I would flee. I would stay in the wilderness. I would hurry to my shelter from the raging wind and the storm. Lord, confuse and confound their speech. He's about to turn of why he is angry. He's not angry because of an enemy. He's not angry because of the things that somebody has done to him. He's angry because of a friend that has betrayed him. Wow. Anybody had a friend betray you? It sucks. It really does, man. I see violence and strife in the city. And a lot of people asking these kinds of questions, don't we? We need to know it's okay. Crime and trouble are within it. Destruction is inside it. Oppression and, dece- and deceit never leave its marketplace. Now it is not an enemy who insults me. Otherwise, I could bear it. It would make sense, right? It is not a foe who rises up against me. Otherwise, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion and good friend. We used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. Let death take them by surprise. Let them go down to Shoal alive. Because evil is in their homes and within them. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. I complain and groan morning, noon, and night. And he hears my thoughts. We need to be praying out loud, y'all. Boldly, passionately. Because he hears my voice. This is not new. Peter didn't just make this up. This is so great. Though many are against me, he will redeem me from my battle unharmed. God, the one enthroned from long ago, will hear and will humiliate them. We don't have to take revenge, right? We don't have to put a, take us into our own hands and, man, we're going to make this right. No, God's already got this. What if we approach God this way as if he had all the power? Because he does. God, the one enthroned from long ago, will hear and humiliate them because they do not change and do not fear God. My friend acts violently against those at peace with him. He violates his covenant. His buttery words are smooth, but war is in his heart. His words are softer than oil, but they, they are drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord. Does that sound familiar? That's what Peter said. Cast your bur- throw your burdens to the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. God you will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and treachery will not live out half their days, but I trust in you. That, my brothers and sisters, is a bold 
confident, non-polite, loud prayer. Amen? Back to what Peter wrote. Casting, verse 7, all your care on him because he cares about you. That's incredible. Like we get to do this. We have the freedom to do this. You know why? Because he cares about you. God really does care about you. He knows where you're struggling. He knows it all. We got to quit lying and be real. Amen. Be serious. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around. There's a reason this is written here. The adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And we've got hurting people that are fellow believers that are some that need to know Jesus that don't yet, that are all around us. Man, they need the answers. And they need the love and they need the shepherding and they need the freedom to vent and they need the, those kinds of things. And we can't take it personally because it's not us, it's God that's going to take that burden and we're going to cast those on him. Amen? Resist him. And be firm in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Now the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally, listen, restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little. The dominion belongs to him forever. And everybody said, Amen. When we cast our cares on God, and we're unafraid to be bold and real with God, guess who we will not cast our cares on? Somebody else. Right? They've already been cast. I don't have to give this to somebody. I've already given it to God. Because it's going to go somewhere. Right? Our casting of the cares, our burdens, our struggles, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, our disillusionment, our, our health, our finances. They don't have to be burdened with somebody else. I've already cast them to God. And when I cast them to God and I give them to Him and I throw them at Him and I don't yell at Him as if in disrespect, but I am not afraid to get loud and cry and scream and if so needs to be, also be silent. But nevertheless, I'm not going to lie to God anymore. And neither are you. Amen. We're going to be real. We're going to be real with him. Because it's going to come out one way or another. And I've seen too many relationships, too many things thrown away and just destroyed because somebody was polite with God and they decided to be completely impolite and cast their burdens on somebody else. Enough is enough. God handles it. He has the power to handle it. Our spouses don't. Our friends don't. Our kids don't. Our mom and daddy don't. But God does. And so when we do that, and we've cast those burdens on somebody else, and we no longer cast those burdens on our spouse, or our friends, or our kids, or our parents, or our neighbors, the Holy Spirit can and does come in with love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control. 
a way that Westboro folks could never understand and then try to confront them with it. Amen? Father, we love you. And we are in awe that you're not the kind of God that doesn't say, don't talk to me like that. We will never approach you, Lord, with anything but awe and fear. We know that you can squash us if you wanted to. And that's not who you are. But we know you have that power. But it is never the case, Lord, where you don't want us to truly cast our cares on you. Lord, we pray for the folks that are grieving in our city. Families that have just been wrecked over grief, over loss of two juniors from Gardner Edgerton High School. We have, we have some shepherding to do and some care to do in our town. No doubt about it. Lord, we grieve for the families in Parkland, Florida, who for whatever senselessness you want to apply to it, Lord, grief was unloaded on folks that couldn't do anything about it. And now families are destroyed and there's a lot of questions and anger about you as if you were to blame and you're not. May we turn to you as a country. May we turn to you as a city. May we turn to you as a state. May we turn to you as a church and learn to unload in a, in a, in a, in a way, Lord, that just that you want Lord, and we pray for the, and we thank you for the legacy that Billy Graham left this week. How cool is that? That I was able, we were able to, I mean, many of us may not even know, but so many of us in here are probably either directly or indirectly believers in you because of what Billy Graham did. But he was powerless anyway. You gave him the power. I saw it. He wasn't that talented. He wasn't that good, but you used him anyway in some mighty ways. And we thank you for his life and his example. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Everybody in the house said with great enthusiasm, amen.